0: Hello everyone, my name's Stuart. I'm from 6pm and today I'm going to be reading Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures for ever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was 1994, and I was on a short-term mission to a a township called Karlicha in South Africa. And in that poverty-stricken township, God showed me a joyful gathering like never before. In this cardboard hut of a church with muddy floors and no running waters and no preachers, this group of men and women gathered together. They were undernourished. They were heavy laden and burdened, but they sang together and it was spine-chillingly electrifying. They danced, they delighted, they whooped, they praised, there was tears of joy. Oh, happy day, oh, happy day, when Jesus took my sin away. At that moment, I experienced praise and adoration, like for some churchgoers I've never experienced in their entire lives. And friends, they got it right, they got it right. Because the people of God should adore our awesome God with joy, with praise, and with thanksgiving. Of course, there's always reverence and always space for reflections or lamentations or silence or or solitude. But amongst all that, there must be praise. There must be praise. When we ponder who God is and uh, what he's done, there's a stirring in our heart, a stirring in our soul that says, Praise my soul, the King of heaven. Great is your faithfulness. See, we're singing extraordinary truths about God, aren't we? And we're hearing the word of God preached and, and learning how majestic God is. He's beyond our comprehension. He can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. And our hearts must be full of joy and adoration and praise. And when we sing together, we must feel something. The composer Haydn was once asked why his church music was so joyful. He wrote this, I cannot make it otherwise. I write according to the thoughts I feel. And when I think upon God, my heart is so full of joy that the notes dance and leap as it were for my pen. See, Christians are supposed to be joyful people who are enjoying their God and full of praise. And when we're like that, it is captivating. It is contagious. There's a man in China who went up to a missionary and said this. I want to hear about that religion of yours. I've never heard the words of it, but I've heard the laughter and the singing in your house and in the houses of my countrymen who embraced your faith. And if you have anything that makes people so joyous, I want that. My friends, God is inviting us today to enjoy him in this majestic psalm, Psalm 100, this little psalm of praise. It is passionate, it is loud. Remember the book of Psalms, we move from lamentations to to praise, and it feels like we've done a lot of lamenting. Well, today we're going to focus on praising. And a word of warning, this this might be quite confronting, because I, I fear that for some of us, our praise is too safe and just too restrained. It's like we did the the Psalms of Lament. People said to me, Paul, can we really tell God how we're feeling? Yes, you can. Or today, can we really praise God like this? Yes, you can. Charles Spurgeon said, nothing can be more sublime this side of heaven than the singing of this noble Psalm 100 by a vast congregation. It is all ablaze with grateful adoration. So here's our big idea. Seeing and savouring our awesome God. Seeing and savouring our awesome God. Uh, we see him, we learn truths about him, we understand and grasp who he is and that must lead to savouring, to delighting, to adoring and to praising him. The structure of the psalm is really simple. There are four stanzas. Uh, verses 1 and 2 is savouring, shout for joy, worship the Lord, come before him with songs. Verse 3 is seeing, know the Lord is God. Verse 4, we're back to savouring, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. By verse 5, we're back to seeing, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. You've got seven commands in these five verses. Shout, worship, come, know, enter, give thanks and bless. But the pillars are there in verses 3 and 5, there's, theological truths that underpin all of our praise. Before we dive in, let me quickly give you three words of clarification. The why must always inform the what and the how. Why you do something informs the the what you do and how you do it. So our knowledge of God must always precede our praise of him. It's, It's possible to do all the commands of this psalm, to shout and to praise and to worship, but you don't know the God you're praising. And that is potentially, potentially meaningless or manipulative or just very dangerous. And number two, the facts drive your feelings. Now, feelings are really important. God made us as emotional beings. We should feel this joy. But our feelings can be deceptive, can't they? Now, sometimes you could be singing this amazing song in church and you feel wonderful, but the words of the songs are not actually factually true. Or the opposite might be true that you might not feel like God is loving or God is good or God is faithful, but whether you feel it or not, it is true. And sometimes when you sing about it, the feelings follow. And number three, this is both corporate and personal. So this psalm is a corporate psalm. It's the last in the collection of the temple worship psalms from Psalm 93 to Psalm 100. It's a picture of God's people gathered together to praise God and to adore God. But in the midst of a crowd, you must have your personal beliefs and personal praise. So seeing and savouring our awesome God. Let's start with the savouring because that's how the the psalm starts. Verse 1, this call to worship Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. And it's possible to shout in anger or to shout in despair. That's not what it's talking about here. This is pleasant shouting. This is a, a victory shout. It's a bit like when you've been at a, a footy match and, and your team score the winning goal or the winning try in the, the dying moments of the game and the whole of the crowd just erupts with applause and there's cheering and there's hugging because you have won. And what this this psalm is saying is God's people, we have won. We shout to the Lord because God has won. God's won the victory over sin and Satan and death and disease and suffering. He is victorious and we are more than conquerors. And so it's a loud shout of joy. See that verse 1, shout for joy to the Lord. I love this, joy is the flag which is flown from the castle of the heart when the king is in residence there, when the Lord Jesus Christ is king of your heart, he's taken residence there, you fly that flag of joy. It's a corporate shout. You shout together all the earth, the people of God, praising and shouting God is victorious. let Let me be honest, as a pastor, sadly I see people get more excited about footy than about forgiveness. And sadly, people get more engaged with a Netflix movie than with New Life in Christ. Now, I'm not asking for an alleluia every five seconds, but the occasional amen in a sermon might be quite nice, because God's people are supposed to be captivated and shouting for adoration and joy. So we shout to the Lord, verse 1, we we serve the Lord, verse 2. That word worship in verse 2 is actually the word serve. Because worship is not just about singing. It's more than singing. It includes singing, but it's more than singing. It's about your whole way of life where you, you serve him. Now, I hope you don't serve your bank balance or your fitness bank or your pleasure bank. You serve the Lord, not, not begrudgingly, verse 2, but with, with gladness, with a smile on your face. You say, wow, I get to serve my great God. And then verse 2 again, you, you come before him with singing with joyful songs. Do you know that Christianity is the only religion that abounds in song? You know, atheism, it's songless. And agnosticism has nothing to sing about. And all the other religions are, are tuneless, but Christianity is full of song. But when Christ stepped into the world, the angel sang. When the spirit came, the people sang, and all eternity around the throne would be singing. And so when God's people gather together, we've got this precious gift of song, joyful song. the great theologian uh, Martin Luther, he loved to sing. Oh, he was passionate about justification by faith alone and grace alone, but he loved to sing. He said this, music, music is to be praised as second only to the word of God, because by her all the emotions are swayed. That's why there are so many songs and psalms. This this precious gift has been bestowed on people to remind them that they are created to praise and magnify their Lord. Now that's what savouring God is about. It's about singing joyfully. I hope that when we come together as church, singing is not just a leg stretch. We are singing majestic truths about our God. Now the words must be true, and the tune must be joyful engaging head and heart. It's that spirit-filled, theologically driven, emotional response to our glorious God. And that's why this no singing restriction on our church at the moment is just so difficult. Because when God's people gather, it's what we do, isn't it? It's what God's people have always done. They've always sung. We should sing. We can't help but sing. As we raise the roof, people outside the church, hear a singing. The story of a missionary to Burma, and he didn't speak the language, he was learning the language. But he used to walk around down the street singing Christian songs. And this Burmese, Christian, Burmese non-Christian man came up to him and said, what are you singing? He called it the angelic, glory-faced man. And he came to Christ through this man's singing about God. So we savour God by shouting, by serving, and by singing, but it's intelligent savouring. So we're down to verse 3 now. We're now into seeing. These are the reasons why we praise God. Look at that first word, know, believe, accept. This is the foundation. Know that the Lord is God. He is God. I'm not God. You're not God, but God is God. Remember in the Bible, there's that showdown between... Elijah and the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings chapter 18. And the prophets of Baal are calling on their gods and they are dancing and they are singing and they're chanting, but nothing happens. And Elijah, he douses his wood and the altar in all this water and prays a simple prayer and God shows up and the people say, the Lord, the Lord, he is God. And you've got to believe that the God is God. God. That's why we praise him. You know, he's your creator, verse 3. It is he who made us. And we are his. He made us. We're not accidents. Each one of us, you are made in the image of God, knitted together perfectly and beautifully with careful attention to detail. You are his, it says in verse 3. You belong to him. He wants you. He wants you despite your failings. He's our creator. He's our redeemer, verse 3. We are his people, his redeemed, chosen, saved people, the sheep of his pasture. I love this story of the little boy who spent hours and hours building his little toy yacht. He used the best wood and he was so proud of his toy wooden yacht. He used to stay out on on a local lake with his friends every day. And then one day, tragedy struck. The wind whipped up and the boy watched in horror as his little yacht floated away and away and away out of his sight. He'd lost it, it had gone. A few days later, he's walking past a shop and in the shop window, he sees his toy yacht. He goes into the shop and says, oh, that is mine, can I have it? And the shopkeeper said, no, no, you must pay the price for that yacht. And the boy says, but it's mine, I made it with my own hands, it belongs to me. And the shopkeeper said, well, if you want it, you must buy it back. And so this boy went home and gave his everything, his every last penny, went back to the shop, bought back his yacht, held it in his hands and says, you are twice mine, you're twice mine. I made you and I bought you back. God says to us as his people, I I made you, you're not self-dependent, I made you and I brought you back, you're my people, I brought you back because you were like sheep going astray but Jesus, the, the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep, he came and he sacrificed things for you so that you could be brought back and be called his child that is staggering, that is utterly staggering See, when you grasp that, when you see that, there is no pride, there's just praise. No pride, just praise. I want to urge you never to tire of hearing about redemption. It's extraordinary, it's extravagant, it's costly, it's undeserved, it is personal. Learn to say over yourself, state these words, I am made by God and I'm loved by God and I'm redeemed by God, I'm forgiven by God, I'm held by God. And when you do that, there's a stirring in your soul. You want to praise him. And when God's people gather together as church and we remind ourselves that he is our creator and he is our redeemer, then we burst forth in song. All creatures of our God and King. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Now, seeing always leads to savouring. So we're back in verse four to savouring, to enjoying verse 4 enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise give thanks to him and praise his name verse 4 enter his gates enter his courts he's talking here to the people of god in the old testament he's talking about the temple when god's people went to the temple to meet in the presence of their god but to meet with god wow that was hard Uh, There was washing and there was sacrifice and there was blood and there was animals and there's priests and there's curtains. For us to enter the presence of God, it is less difficult, but even more staggering. Uh, There is no blood of animals because the blood is that of Jesus Christ. And there is no curtain to go through because at the cross, that curtain was torn in two. And there's no priest because Jesus is that priest. We can come directly into the presence of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. But when we come into his presence, look at verse 4. We come with what? Thanksgiving and with praise. With thanksgiving and with praise. The, the, The heart of the Christian man and woman must be a heart of gratitude, not grumbling. Of thankfulness, not whinging. In Winnie the Pooh, it's a great line. It says this. Piglet noticed that even though he had a very small heart it could hold a rather large amount of gratitude. Well, we should notice that we can have a massive amount of gratitude. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, and thank you for your mercy, and your kindness, and your love, and your protection, and your provision, and your people. I love the story of two big-brained theologians, uh, Theodore Culler and, and Charles Spurgeon. And these two men have spent all day grappling with massive theological truths. And then they went for a walk and a talk. And Culler cracked this great joke and Spurgeon roared with laughter. And then Spurgeon said this, stop, wait wait a minute, let's get on our knees right now and thank God for the gift of laughter. And so these two theological giants got down on their knees in the field, on the grass, and just thank God for the gift of laughter. Isn't that great? A thankful heart is a great witness to the world, you know. Uh, before John Wesley was converted, he was chatting to his college porter who had one coat and often went unfair, but he was always thankful, always full of gratitude. And John Wesley asked him one day, why are you so thankful? And the man says this, I thank God because God has given me life and being and a heart to love him and a desire to serve him. You never know who you're going to reach through your, thank- through your thankfulness. The story of an old man who went up to a lady at a London Underground station. He said, uh, I want to say thank you, madam. Why are you thanking me? She said. I said, Oh, for years I worked as a ticket collector at this station, and every day you came and bought your ticket, and you always had a smile on your face, and you always said thank you. And I wondered, why is that woman so thankful and so joyful? And then one day I spotted you had a little Bible in your hand I thought I wonder whether that's why she's so thankful so I went and bought a Bible and I read the Bible and I came to Christ and now my heart is full of thankfulness Christians are known as thankful people with lips full of praise verse 4 we praise his name or literally we bless his name whatever season we're going through we bless and magnify and say thank you praise the Lord bless your name okay, let's bring it home Back to the why, back to the seeing. Why do we thank God? Why do we praise him? Verse five, why? Because God is good and God is loving and God is faithful. God is good, God is loving and God is faithful. And he's not just talking about at creation. He's not talking about at the cross or an eternity. He's talking about today. God is faithful in your life today. And God is good to you today and loving to you today. Please don't think of God as this mean, grumpy, busy, barking dad, not wanting you to enjoy life. He is good. He is kind. He is loving and he's faithful. And maybe you need to learn to wake up each day and say, God, you are good to me today. And everything you're going to do is good, even in the pain and the hardship, he's still good. And God, you are so loving to me today with this never-ending, ever-present fiercely protective love wow thank you for loving me and God you're so faithful you're not fickle you never change you're the same yesterday today and tomorrow you'll be faithful next month and next year you'll be faithful to my kids and to my grandkids and to my great-grandkids those three truths God is good God is loving God is faithful you've got to hold on to those and believe them and and fight for them Because Satan has been on a smear campaign since the beginning of time to cause you to question God's goodness and question God's love and question God's faithfulness. And he'll whisper in your ear, God doesn't really love you. God isn't really good. And God is not faithful. And you say, "Now get behind me, Satan. My God is good and loving and faithful and I'm going to praise him with my lips and praise him with my life. See, friends, we're called to see and savour our God. That overflowing, overwhelming sense of gratitude and awe and adoration and praise. And friends, you better get used to praising God. Because let's face it, we're going to be praising him for all eternity. So let's start right now, shall we? I'm going to listen to a time of thanksgiving. The words of this prayer will come on the screen. And then we're going to sing together. So join me in prayer. Almighty God, creator and redeemer, we praise you for the beauty of the world around us and for every gift we enjoy. Thank you for creating us to know you, to love you and to obey you. Most of all, we praise you for your amazing love in sending your son to restore your world by dying for us and arising and to give us new life. Accept our praise and thanksgiving through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.